listening to the weekly podcast of Fellowship Bible Church of Paragool. For more information about our church, please visit us at www.fellowshipparagool.com. Amen. All right, well, good morning. Good to see each of you. That was a little weak, but I'll take it. All right, thank you, man. If you have a Bible, let's go to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, as we continue in our series, The Real Jesus. If you are a visitor this morning, let me uh, welcome you. Um, I am Jared, and I'm one of the pastors here at Fellowship Bible Church, and I can honestly say that it is uh, a privilege to have you here. We are delighted to have you with us. We know that you could be anywhere um, in Paragold, uh, worshiping with any family this morning, and you chose to be here, and our prayer is that you will be blessed, that you will leave here more in love with Jesus, with who he is and, and what he's done for you. So we are in this uh, series that we've entitled The Real Jesus, and um, the reason we're in this series is we just wanted to, verse by verse, walk through the Sermon on the Mount, the only perfect sermon ever preached. It's preached by Jesus, and we want to discover together who the real Jesus is. We believe there's a lot of Jesus talk in the South, a lot of people who would claim to be a Christian, or they say, I know about Jesus but we believe there are very few people that have a joy-filled, intimate, personal relationship with him. And so we just want to discover together who the real, resurrected King Jesus is because he really is worth everything. Okay. So this morning, as we continue our series, we're going to be in Matthew 6. We're going to pick up in verse 19, and we're going to read all the way down to verse 34. If you don't have a copy of God's Word, we'd like to bless you with a free copy. It's on our welcome table. Um, you can grab that. That's our gift to you, but if you don't have a scripture on your device or a Bible with you, we'll throw it up on the screen for you. Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 19. Jesus says, Do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body, so if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body and what you'll put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field and how they grow and either toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O oh, you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God. And his righteousness and all of these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Let's pray together one more time. You pray for me, if you will, as I pray for you. Father, I thank you for each person that is here this morning. There are those who are here right now. 
even sitting in a church worship service and their stomach is in knots over certain things they're anxious about, nervous about, whether it's relationships, finances, health, wayward children. And Father, I just pray that you will do what only you can do through the power of your spirit, that you will free us from anxiety and fear and worry so that we can experience the joy-filled relationship with you that you have created us to experience. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray this. Amen. The absolute worst year of school for me was my first grade year. Um, I had a teacher, who how can I say this, probably hated being my teacher as much as I hated having her as my teacher. Um, every day, I would, I would come to school, and every day it seems like I would get in trouble for something. And this is back when they had chalkboards, and they would write your name on the board when you got in trouble. Some of you remember that. And I don't know how your school worked, but it's like they would give you kind of like a three strikes and you're out type policy. And so it's like you get your name on the board, and then if you get in trouble again, you get a check. Get in trouble again, you get another check. Get in trouble again, you get another check. Right on the third check, you go to the principal's office. And um, let's just say I got in trouble so much that year, like if I wasn't in the principal's office, they would check to see if I was sick right? Like, was I not at school uh, that day? What was going on? And so, I mean, every day was a battle with this teacher. And to make things worse, she never even pronounced my last name right. Um, my last name is Pickney, and she would call me Mr. Pickinini, all right? Um, it's okay, you can laugh. Um, she would call me Mr. Pickinini, and I can still hear her voice saying, Mr. Pickinini, why are you coloring your dog purple? You know, like everybody else is coloring their dog black or brown. Like, why did you pick purple? Or Mr. Pickney, why are you out of your seat again? Or Mr. Pickney, why are you taking so long? I mean, I hated when she would call me Mr. Pickney, and she never called me anything different than that. And, and I would be so anxious about school. I developed, true story, my brother's here, he can vouch for this, not one, not two, but three ulcers because I was so worried about going to school. Some of you are like, this is the saddest story I've ever heard in my entire life. Like, I was in a good mood before you started preaching. Now I'm not in a good mood anymore. But now you know I am the way I am, right? Very traumatic childhood. And so, um, and so I, I, I hated going to school. I was anxious. I was nervous. And my parents didn't know what to do. So they thought, I got an idea. I know what we'll do to help our poor son deal with his fear and anxiety. And you know what they did? They found a song. It was a song they would play for me every single morning when I, w when I woke up. And they thought this song would, would, would cheer me up and help me to worry less. And, I've, and I, I paid $1.29 on iTunes just so you could hear part of this song, okay? So, so here it is. If you know it, you can sing, sing to it. You're going to have to crank this, I think. It's not great quality. Here's a little sing song I know. wrote. You might want to sing it note for note, don't worry. Here we go, everybody. Be happy. Yeah. Hey, listen to this. In every life we have some trouble. But when you worry, you make it double. So don't worry. Don't worry. Instead, what? Be happy. Yeah. Don't worry. Be happy. Some of you are starting to smile, fine, that's good. This is what we do. Be happy. Don't worry, be happy. Thank you, Bobby McFerrin. All right? Um, <clears throat> now, here's the deal. Did anybody listen to those lyrics that you were just singing? Right, I, I want to look back at, at Bobby McFerrin and say, your advice is terrible advice. Like, it doesn't help. Like, don't worry, be happy, doesn't cut it 
when you have real problems that you are anxious about. And if we had time, we would go on and listen to the rest of the song, but listen to some of these lyrics. He says, you ain't got no place to lay your head. Somebody came and took your bed. Don't worry, be happy. No, if somebody takes your bed, file a police report. Like, that's a big deal. The landlord says your rent is late. He may have to litigate. Don't worry, be happy. No, like budget your schedule better. Like get a better job. Like pay your rent. Like you need to change your life. Like if your rent is constantly late, right? But, but again, catchy song, but not incredibly helpful, is it? Not incredibly helpful. And, and, and some of us, as silly as that is, is that not the kind of advice we receive or give to others who are anxious or worried? Like, hey, don't worry, be happy. Like, all right, well, thank you for that. Like, you know, like, hey, let go and let God. That's the really spiritual answer, right? Let go and let God, right? Like, all right, that's like putting a Band-Aid on a compound fracture. That doesn't really help me. And so here's the good news this morning. As we dive into this text, we're reminded the real Jesus, according to Acts 13, 38, wants to free us from all things. And we're reminded that one of the things he wants to free us from is anxiety and worry. Isn't that good news today? Jesus came to free you from anxiety and worry. And here's what he's going to say about it. Look again in verse 19. He says, Do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. So let me just stop there and flesh this out. Basically what Jesus is saying is like, don't let the pursuit of your life, the goal of your life, the whole point of your life be to, to, to try to store up treasures here on earth, right? Like, don't make the point of your life to, to gain as many trinkets and toys as you can. Like, don't make the whole purpose of your life to have as big as a savings account as you possibly can. Because here's why. Everything that you're working so hard together here on earth, guess what? Pretty soon, it's either going to be in a garage sale or a garbage truck, right? Like, none of it is going to last. So he says, therefore, don't buy into the lie that you need to obtain this stuff to be happy. And if we can be honest, I think this really is a temptation for everybody in here. Everybody. Right? There are some things that maybe I preach on each week, and you're like, that's not a temptation of mine. But I think this really is a temptation for everybody. Um, if I walked out of the cinema after this service is over, and somebody comes up to me and they say, um, say, man, you want some black tar heroin? Like, I'm not going to be tempted. Okay? I'm not. Maybe for some, but for me, not a temptation. I'll be like, no, like I just got done preaching a sermon, like I'm a pastor of this church, like I'm married, I have uh, two kids, one on the way, like I don't want any black tar heroin. But you want to know what a real temptation for me is? is to begin to look to these things of the world and begin to believe the lie that when I obtain them, I will be much happier and more complete than I am currently right now. And, and I'm realizing this. Um, when my wife and I found out we were pregnant, and by my wife and I, I mean mainly my wife, um, when we found out we were pregnant with our third child, I began to immediately think, you know what we need? We need a minivan. Okay, you can go ahead and laugh. I know, minivan. <laughs> you know, like, like we need a minivan. Uh, because we're going to have, we have a car, and we're going to have three car seats, because all of our kids are young, it's going to be hard for us to get in there, and so I thought, you know what, we don't have a car payment right now, I don't want a car payment, it's a waste of money, like it's not, I can put my money other places, and so I thought, so we're going to get a van, but we're going to make sure it's under this amount. Well, guess what begins to happen after I look at vans? I realized, to be honest, there's some pretty sweet vans out there. It's kind of like, don't judge a cover by its book. It's the same thing with vans. Like, vans look pretty dumb on the outside, but on the inside, like, they are, they got swag. Like, they are, they are nice. Like, they are, um, like, some of them have these cameras where you can see behind your van. 
so you don't run over your kid. That's good. Like, some of them have like a gazillion cup holders, tons of cargo space. Have you looked at minivans yet, by the way? Y'all been looking too. They are sweet. Um, they've got like all these different gadgets, like DVD players. Like, and I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, you know what? Maybe we should get a vehicle payment. Like, maybe we should go up because I'm pretty sure like this Honda will make my life better. Like, it will make me much happier. And here's what I begin to do. And aren't we good at doing this? I begin to justify why I could live paycheck to paycheck or why I could be less generous here for the sake of having this. And here's how I justify it. No joke. Like, this is, this is one of your pastors talking. Like, I'm just being honest with you. I look and I'm like, okay, sometimes when we go on a trip, my kids go buck wild and it's awful. If we had DVD players where they could watch a movie, that means I wouldn't have to be a parent. Like, I could just, like, I wouldn't have to try to calm them down. Like, they could calm themselves down. Like, they would be watching their own shows. And here's what I begin to think. That means less stress on me, which means less stress on my marriage, and which means I have a better marriage. And if I can have a better marriage, that makes me a better pastor. So really, I'm doing this for you guys. Like, I'm getting a minivan for Fellowship Bible Church, right? <laughs> yeah. And so, I, I mean, this is just honestly, and I know it seems kind of silly, but what am I doing? I am beginning to believe that I need to make sacrifices over here for the sake of having something made, something created by man that's going to make my life more complete. It's going to make it better. And I just want to be clear, there's nothing wrong with, with nice stuff. There's nothing wrong with nice vehicles and nice cars and that kind of deal. But, but here's what Jesus just wants to be clear on right here out of the gate is don't be foolish when it comes to this stuff. Like, don't believe good things are ultimate things. Because 100 years from now, guess what? You're not going to care about a minivan. It's not going to be able to help you at all. In the end, it's not going to matter. So look what he says in verse 20. He says, Therefore, lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. Pretty plain and simple. What Jesus is saying is just focus on God. Pursue God. Like make him your end goal, right? Like, like make eternal investments with your money and with your time and with your hands. Like live with open hands, right? Be generous, like, don't walk around just saying, how can I bless myself more today, but how can I seek to be a blessing to others? That's what he's saying. And then look what he says in verse 21. It's a verse, if we can be honest, some of us might wish wasn't in the Bible. He says, for where your treasure is, your heart will be also. You ready for this? Here's what Jesus just said. You want to know what you really treasure? Let's look at your bank statement. That's what you value. That's your top priority. Some of us come in here today and we say, I love God. Like I do, I love God, I worship God, he's my everything. And Jesus says, actually, I'm looking at your bank statement and it says that you love your kids a whole lot. I can see that. I can see you really love like the, the, the structure that you live in. I can see you also love driving nice vehicles. I can also see you love eating out and having a bunch of food and and I can see you, like, that you love big vacations, but I don't see anything in this statement that says that you love and you value God. This is the real Jesus speaking here. And then he goes on, and he said, in case I'm not clear, let me break it down for you. In verse 24, he says, no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. And what's that next sentence? You cannot serve God and money. Actually, the original word for money there can be translated mammon, which means God and stuff. Either you are going to look to your stuff as the Lord of your life, or you're going to look 
to Jesus. Either your stuff will control you or the love of Christ will control you. This is what he's reminding us of. And then right there, there's that little weird passage. It's about eyeballs and and darkness. And we're like, what does this mean? And basically, here's what Jesus is saying in verse uh, 22 and 23 is, look, here's what he's saying. There is a way that seems right to man, but in the end, it leads to death. So you better not just handle your money and your time and your possessions like everybody else in the world around you. Right? You better get a proper perspective. Because listen, guys, listen. If you have a worldly perspective on your stuff, on your money, it will, I promise you, drive either you or your family or your own personal health or your soul into the ground. So Jesus starts out and says, you better get some perspective here. You better stop building your life on this stuff. And then he goes on in verse 25, and look with me. It seems like it's so disconnected from what he just said, but it's not. He says, therefore... And any time we have a therefore, we should ask what question, English people? What's it there for? Therefore, in light of everything I just said, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. Now, this seems like a pretty annoying command. Don't be anxious about your life, Jesus says. Just stop being anxious. When you just read this on the surface, don't you want to say, Jesus, I'm not trying to be anxious. If I could stop it, I would have by now, right? Like, I didn't wake up this morning and you say, you know what would be awesome is if I could be anxious for like three hours. That would be great. That would be a time well spent. Don't be, it's almost like going to a friend and a friend knows you're anxious and they're like, stop it. Just stop being anxious. Just stop worrying about him or worrying about your money or worrying about your health. You're like, oh, of course, stop it. Thank you so much. Why didn't I think of that? Like, okay, now I'm going to stop being anxious. That seems like that's what Jesus is doing, right? He says, Therefore, just don't be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body or what you will put on. Now, some of you hear that and you go, okay, I'm good. I don't worry about any of that stuff. I don't worry about food. I don't worry about clothing. Probably most of us don't, right? Most of us, we don't worry about where are we going to get our next meal? Will I be fed? Am I going to have clothes to wear? But in this culture, people did a lot, right? Food was very, like, it wasn't something they took for granted. Clothing wasn't something they took for granted. So in our culture, I don't think if Jesus walked in here right now, he would say, don't worry about food and clothing. He'd be like, okay, we got that down. I think what he would say instead in our culture is, stop worrying so much about your retirement fund. Stop worrying so much about your kids. Stop worrying so much about if your kid's going to get a college scholarship. Stop worrying about your jobs. Stop worrying about your health and Ebola, right? Like, or whatever else, like, and, and, and just to be clear, like, Jesus, I want to make sure I'm clear on this, Jesus is not saying these things aren't important. He's not saying they aren't important, right? You should care about your kids. You should care about your job. You should care about retirement. But what he's saying is, you should not worry about these things. There's a difference. And he says, here's why you shouldn't worry. Look, verse 25, listen, here's why you shouldn't worry. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Jesus would look at you and he'd say, you know why you shouldn't worry? Because is life not more than just about your health? Is that really the reason you were created and put here on earth so you can be healthy and wealthy? Is that the whole point of your existence? Isn't life more than that? Isn't life more than your kid getting a scholarship? Is that really what all of existence hinges on? Is your kid getting into this college and having a college scholarship? 
Is that really what it's all about? Is it really all about you having a big retirement fund? Is that the point of why God has left you, created you, and left you here on earth? See, here's the deal. Listen, what Jesus wants to be clear on is we were not created simply for the here and now. There is more than just what we see and what we can touch. And the reason, listen carefully, the reason some of you have anxiety is because you don't believe that. You don't believe that. Oh, yes, I do, Jared. Oh, no, you don't. It's not what Jesus says. What Jesus says, if you want to see anxiety and worry begin to fade away and melt away from your life, you don't need, listen to this, guys, you don't need new circumstances. Ultimately, what Jesus says is you need a new perspective. He says your anxiety is a sign that your perspective is off. You care too much about the things of the world, whether it be your finances, your health, your physical appearance, whatever it is. You value those things more, more than you really should. And again, class, here's a question, yes or no. Should we care about our kids? Yes. Should we care about our finances? Yes. I mean, should we care about the things like clothing and, and scholarships? Yeah, we should care about all of that kind of stuff. But look, not to the point that it makes you worry. Do you want to know what worry is? Here's a good definition of worry. Worry is care that has gotten infected. Worry is care that has gotten infected. It is a sign. When you begin to worry and you're anxious about something, immediately there should be a siren or a flag or something that goes off in your head that says you care too much about this thing. There's something on, there's something going on in your heart, something that is off because you are carrying something, you are valuing something more than Jesus said you should value in your heart. And really that's what Jesus is trying to get at in the whole Sermon on the Mount, right? He's always trying to get back at our heart. He's always trying to help us to see what we really believe about him. I mean, Jesus just finished talking about what we treasure, what we value. And doesn't that seem so interesting that he talks about what we treasure and what we value, and then he goes to what we are anxious about? And look, you've got to get this, because here's what Jesus is saying. He is showing us this, that our worry reveals what we care the most about. Let me say that again, because some of you have gotten distracted. We worry about what we care the most about. About. In other words, the things that you worry about the most reveals what is most important to you. I'll say that again. The thing you worry about the most reveals what is most important to you in your life. And I can give you an example. I don't worry about your kids' grades. I don't. Am I, do I care about your kids' grades? Yes. Do I want them to do good in school? Yes. Do I lose sleep over their grades? Absolutely not. Why? Because I don't value your kids' grades near as much as you value them, and I'm not devoted to them near as much as you're devoted to them. Here's another example. I don't care, or I, I let me rephrase that. I don't worry. I do care, but I don't worry about your job. I don't walk around each week like anxiously like, oh, like, I hope. Fabco does okay. Oh, like, man, I hope BJ is able to keep his job. You know, like, do I want Fabco to do well? Yes. Do I want you to keep your job? Absolutely. But I'm not worried about it. Why? Because I am not near as devoted to your job as you are. I don't value it near as much. Right? 
Some of you are Cubs fans. You never have to worry about October. What? Can we get a new pastor? <laughs> Dude, I wasn't going to do it until you wore that Mississippi shirt while you're Mississippi State shirt while you're leading worship. Right? Some of us worry more than others about certain things. Why? Because we value those things so much. We're more devoted to them than those. And here's what Jesus says. Here's what he wants us to see is what you are most devoted to is what you will worry about the most. And so here's what you need. If you want to see anxiety fade away, what you need is a shift in your devotion. You need a shift in your devotion. And so here's what he's going to begin to do. He's going to begin to shift our focus, shift our devotion, shift our perspective. And look how he starts out. If you think that Jesus is being insincere, you're really going to like this next line because he says in verse 26, look at the birds of the air. I'm like, Jesus, my bank account's shrinking. I don't have time to look at the birds. Right? My marriage is falling apart, or, or, or my kids are sick, or, or, man, I'm struggling with this. Or I don't have time to look at the birds. I mean, is this like hippie Jesus? Like, man, look at the birds. Like, what is this all about? Like, look at the birds of the air. This is the real Jesus talking. So what is going on here? He says, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father uh, feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Jesus says, all right, everybody, look at the birds. You see them? Watch the birds. The birds live off of instinct. The birds don't have a 401k. The birds don't plan anything. The birds don't put helmets on their little kids and follow them around everywhere to make sure they don't get hurt. They, like, push them out of the nest, right? Like, fly or die. Like, that's what the birds do. And yet he just says, but God feeds them and provides for them. Now here's Jesus' point. He is not saying, quit your jobs. He's not saying, don't work. No, you should work. You should keep your job. The point is just this, though. You are created in the image of God to reflect his glory. You are the climax of his creation. If he cares about these little, bitty, silly, kind of stupid birds, why would he not care about you? Answer this question. Are you not more valuable to God than birds? Yes or no? Yes. And if he cares for birds and, and, and makes sure that everything is working the way it should, why would you think he would not care for you, his most prized creation? And then he goes on in verse 27, and he says, And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his lifespan? Uh, basically what he's just saying here is, by the way, worry is such a waste of time. Like you're not accomplishing anything. Some of you, you're choosing to worry over and over and over. You know what you're doing? You're just torturing yourself. You're torturing yourself. You're, you're reliving failure in your head over and over again, worrying about stuff that probably a 99% chance of it won't even come to pass. And Jesus says, by worrying about it, what are you doing? You don't, you don't give any power to anything. You don't make anything better. And in the end, you don't add one single day to your life. And so he then goes on in verse 28, and he says, Why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field. Now look at the flowers. Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, uh, spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Verse 30, But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow was thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? And here's the key. O you of little faith, 
a tough reality to face this morning is this. The reason some of you worry and have anxiety in your heart is because you lack faith in God. Jesus says, actually, if you worry, again, this is the real Jesus. Don't email me. Get mad at him, not at me. Verse 32 says, if you worry, who does he say that you're like? You're like the Gentiles. Your translation might say you're like the pagans. Basically, when you handle circumstances in this life just like the Gentiles, you're basically living just like an atheist. The fact that you worry and you're anxious, that means that you're living like people that don't even believe in me. They don't even follow me. They don't even know me. So Jesus, he, he says, look, you want to stop worrying? You want to stop living with so much anxiety? Again, you don't need new circumstances. You need a new perspective. In other words, you need to see God as he really is. That's the key. You need to see God as he really is. And at Fellowship, some of you, if you've been here long enough, you've, you've heard us. We sum up God basically in four big truths. Four big truths, and they all start with, with four G's, so they're easy to remember. And, and, and basically, here are the truths. We say that God, God, as you know how to put it up just yet, uh, Ryan, but God is, is glorious, therefore we don't need the approval of others. God is great, therefore we don't have to be in control. God is gracious, therefore we don't have to achieve more or perform. And then God is good, therefore we don't have to look elsewhere for satisfaction. Now, these truths find their ultimate reality in Christ, in the real Jesus. And if we don't believe one of these things, or if we believe a lie about God rather than seeing him as he really is, worry will begin to creep into your life. And I'm going to show you how. Let me use the example of money, okay? Let's assume in here that all of us worry about money from time to time. And I know not all of us do. Some of us worry about our kids. Some of us worry about our health. Some of us worry about the fact that we're worrying. We don't even know why we're worrying, like... But let's assume we all worry about money. Now, what would be easy for me to do if all of you worried about money, right, would be easy for me to just say, oh, well, you're just greedy, right, or, or whatever. Like, you just stop worrying about money. It's that simple. But, but here's the truth. Depending on what lie you're believing about God will shape why you're worried about money. Does that make sense? Let me say it again. Depending on what lie you're believing about God, depending on your skewed view of God and what you're seeing wrongly about him, shapes why you're worried about money. Okay? So... I'll throw these on the screen for you. Some of you in here may be worried about money because you do not believe that God is glorious. Therefore, you need the approval of others. Why primarily do you want more money? Do you worry about money? Because money gives you status. Because money gives you a nice car. Because money gives you cool clothes. Because money gives you a nice house, and that makes you look better in the eyes of others. And therefore, makes you feel more valued. That's why you worry about money. You don't want to look stupid in front of other people. Right? Our country values money, and therefore, I want more money so that I can be more valued. What you desperately need to see today is that God is glorious. And we see when Jesus became flesh, right? God in the flesh, that Jesus went to the cross for you and he shed his glory. Rather than receiving praise and receiving worship as the only one who deserves it, he shed his glory so that now you can share in that glory. 
Guys, that blows my mind. That is a mystery to me, that as a Christian, when you trust in Christ, the Bible says you can share in his glory. Now, if you believe that, if you believe that what is true of Jesus is true of you, do you really think you're going to care that much about what other people think of you? Do you think you're going to value their opinions of you as much as you do whenever you know that you share in the glory of Christ? Absolutely not. Not if you're believing it. Some of you in here, you worry about money, and here's why. It's because you believe the lie that God is not great, Therefore, you need to control the uncontrollable. God is not great. He is not sovereign. So you need to control the uncontrollable. You are the person that if you can't dot every I and cross every T, you freak out. Right? Like you have got to have control of things to make sure life functions and goes as it should. Right? God is weak. He's not able to help you. And what you need to be reminded of today is this. Again, we know God is in control, and we see that through Jesus. At the cross, if you want to talk about a moment where it looked like God was out of control, it's when God is dying on a cross. If we would have been standing at the cross, we would say, this is the most horrific event in human history. And yet, what do we know about the cross on this side of it? We know that according to Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 4, that it was God sovereignly working through the hands of people to ensure that Jesus was crucified so that he could take the most horrific event of all time and make it the most beautiful event for us. Guys, listen, listen. I don't know what you're going through right now, health-wise, financial-wise, but if God can take the most horrific event and make it the most beautiful event, what in the world makes you think he can't take your little situation and turn it into something amazing? The Bible is clear that God is working out all things for the good who are called according to his purpose. God is in the business of taking even your failures, even your mistakes, even your sins. And for the Christian, he says, I'm going to take all of it. I'm not going to waste it, and I'm going to use it all to conform you more in the image of Jesus. God is in control. If you believe that, you don't really freak out anymore. I don't, oh, i got to control. No, you don't. Like, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Even if your hands are tied behind your back. And, and by the way, if you're a control person, when you go to sleep tonight, preach that gospel to yourself. You're about to be dead to the world for the next six, seven, eight hours, and the sun will still rise. God does not need you. He's in control. Maybe some of you worry. Maybe some of you worry about money or whatever it is because you don't believe that God is gracious, therefore you need to achieve more. And I think this is the one that I struggle with. You know, I really believe the lie sometimes that God was gracious enough to save me, but now it's almost kind of like he's saying, all right, my grace is really running out for you, Jared. Like, you've screwed up so much. Like, I, I'm really tired of blessing you. I'm really tired of showing you favor. I, I believe that lie sometimes. I believe sometimes that, that, that God doesn't want to bless me or my family because I haven't done enough for him lately. Does that make sense? I believe he's in control. I just don't believe he's still being gracious towards my family. And so he's waiting for me to perform and do more before he can bless us. What a lie. The gospel reminds us that when we were at our worst, God gave us his best. And if that's you this morning, if you're believing like, man, I've got to work harder. I've got to perform better. I've got to achieve more because God's not going to care for my family. So I've got to care for my family. If that's what you believe, hear this verse. This has been such good news to me this week. Romans 8 Verse 32 says, He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he also now not graciously give us all things? If God gave up his own son Jesus for you, why in the world do you think he's going to try to nickel and dime you to death now? He's not. He will graciously give us all 
things. Maybe some of you here today, though, you worry because you don't believe God is good, therefore you think you have to look elsewhere for satisfaction. God really isn't good. That's what you're believing. Therefore, you know what is good? My status. You know what is good? This van. You know what is good? Being able to vacation wherever I want. You know what is good? Being able to eat this much food. You know what is good? Cable. You know what is good? The iPhone. And I've got to have this stuff in order for me to be happy. And the reason you worry is because you never have enough money to get enough stuff. Or whenever you finally purchase that stuff, how long does it take before it begins to fade? And you worry because you begin to wonder, when am I ever going to have my soul met? When am I ever going to feel good? When am I ever going to be complete? And what you need to be reminded of today is the Bible is clear that only God will give you what you are longing for. Only God will satisfy you. Only God will be able to make you feel complete. And Jesus Christ came to live a perfect life you could never live and die to death. You deserve to die for your sins and rose from the dead, conquering sin and conquering death and conquering hell so that you can be bought into the presence of God and you can enjoy him and you can be satisfied by him. You see, what we need is to see God as he really is. Here's something I want you to all walk away with today. Here's your little tweetable statement or whatever. Here's what we have to see today. Is when worship goes up, worry goes down. When worship goes up, when we begin to see God as he really is, worship will go up and our worry will begin to go down. This is why he must be our focus, and this is why Jesus will end here, verse 33, says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added unto you. Right? Don't find your hope in this world. Focus on God. Right? Don't try to build up your own little kingdom. Focus on God's kingdom and how you use your money. Listen to me, guys. And how you use your money and how you use your time and how you use your giftedness, right? And how you make your decisions in everything you do. He says, seek the kingdom of God. What? First. Above anything else in your life, seek God first. And even this past week, like this has been so convicting of me. Like, I think that the temptation is sometimes when I wake up is to check Twitter or to check my email or to check all sorts of different things, my blogs or whatever else. And it's just like God says, no, you seek me first. Seek me first in all things that you do. And what happens? Look, when we seek him first, listen, it doesn't mean the trials will go away. It doesn't mean that you won't get sick. It doesn't mean that, that your kids will absolutely always be healthy. It doesn't mean that you'll always get the job promotion. But you know what you'll get in the end? You'll get God. That's what you'll get. You get God when you seek God. And listen, he is enough. He's enough. Some of you are so anxious because you don't believe it. I'm telling you, you don't believe he's enough. And so your life is marked by anxiety and fear and worry. Some of you walk around so nervous because I'm telling you, you're settling for a counterfeit Jesus. He's weak. He's not able to help you at all. He doesn't affect anything beyond your Sunday mornings. And so, of course, you have to freak out. The real Jesus says, I am a better ruler of your life than you are. I'm a better king. You can't control everything. You can't gain enough stuff. You can't get enough pats on the back from other people to make you feel peaceful and joy-filled 
You need a new ruler today. You need a new Lord of your life. You need to submit everything to Jesus. He says, you want freedom? You want peace? Do you really want freedom and peace? Do you want security? Do you want acceptance from the only one that matters? Listen, you can have it. You can have it. And it's all found in Jesus. You need a new perspective. You need to stop looking so much to the world. Stop building your life on things that will be in a junkyard a hundred years from now. That's so foolish. Some of you are trying so desperately to hold on to stuff that is dying and fading away, and it is going to absolutely wreck your life. Seek first the kingdom of God, and you will have everything you're longing for and you will need because you will have God. He's enough. He's enough. I was telling my fight club this past week about whenever God first saved me, when he first broke into my life, I was 20 years old. I was so depressed. I was so discouraged. I had just flunked out of college. A girl that I had worshipped who had become my God had said bye-bye. And I was devastated. Like my life was absolutely just, it was centered around this girl. And I was seriously so depressed. I, I was so anxious. I, I didn't know what I was going to do. And when I was 20 years old, in my bedroom, on an October night, God broke into Jared Pickney's life, and he revealed himself to me. I began for the first time to see him as he really is. And for the first time, you know what I realized? I said, God, look, I know I'm a wretch. I know I'm a sinner. I know I deserve hell. I know that I've always done my own thing. I know that I've basically been flipping you off with my lifestyle. I understand all of that. And so, God, here's what I want to do. If Jesus really is enough for me, if his grace can cover my sins, I want to have a relationship with you. I'm tired of controlling my own life. I'm I'm tired of trying to, to, to make my own destiny. God, I need you. I don't need your stuff. I need you. I want you. You are the one that I am longing for. If I have you, I will be content. And you know what happened? That night, God saved me. And I promise you, and again, my brother's here. He can vouch for this. I mean, he saw the transformation was instant. Am I right? I mean, it was instant. I got up out of the floor... And immediately I realized, you know what? I don't need this girl anymore. I really don't. I I don't even need to have necessarily all of these friends that I've been running around. I really don't need that stuff anymore. I don't even need to keep pursuing this career that I've been pursuing. I don't need that career anymore. What I know that I need is God. I know I need God. And if I have God, you know what I really believe and I still believe this day? I'll be happy. I'll be content. Like David, I can say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. If I have him, I don't want anything. I don't need anything else. Like Habakkuk, which is a prayer over our own home, I can be able to say whether I'm rich or I'm poor, I'm young or I'm old, I'm healthy or I'm sick, I will rejoice because I have God. He is enough. My prayer this morning is that none of you will leave here not believing that to the core of your heart. God is enough for you. And it doesn't matter what you've done or where you've come from. Jesus Christ has come to pave a way to him. Some of you are here. And I think you're like me. I grew up very religious. My dad was a pastor. I believed my whole life that Jesus could save me. But I didn't believe he could satisfy me. Does that make sense? And so because I didn't believe he could satisfy me, I didn't submit my life to him. He wasn't the Lord of my life. And because Jesus was not the Lord of my life, guess what? He wasn't my Savior. Jesus either comes as Lord or he doesn't come at all. 
Some of you this morning need to submit your life to Jesus as Lord. Some of you have been playing a game. You need to become a, you need to become a Christian today. Today. Stop trying to control your life, guys. Trust in Jesus. He will save you. He will satisfy you. He will give you the longings of your heart. I'm going to ask that you'll stand with me. I'm going to ask our band to come forward and those helping with communion to come forward. We're going to sing another song in just a moment, partake of communion, but let's close our eyes. Let's bow our heads. And let's just take some time to allow the Holy Spirit to move in our own hearts. Let's meditate on these words. I want you to answer this question honestly. Though I'll stand in front of a crowd, I'm in front of a crowd of individuals. And so answer this question honestly. What is it that I really cherish? What is it that I really value? What is it that I really look to for my hope and my peace and my security and my joy? What is the one thing that if I lost it, it would devastate me? My hope this morning is that you will see that Jesus is above it all. The creator is always better than his creation. If you were here this morning and you have not fully surrendered your life to Jesus, I want to encourage you in your own heart, even right now, just to say, God, I need you. I need you. I can't do this anymore. It's not working for me. It's not enough. God, I need you. I trust that you are the treasure chest of joy that I've been longing for. Father, I thank you so much for each person that is here. And we come to you right now, humbly but boldly in the name of Jesus Christ. And I pray that you'll be gracious to each person that is here. That you will help anxiety to just melt away. As worship arises in this place. Would you please lift our eyes off of our circumstances, off of a very shaky world, and place it on the firm foundation that is rooted in you, Jesus. Help us to believe that you are enough. We pray these things in Jesus' name.